The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome to the program today, Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. I had a guest that visited back before we ever got into our main studios. So this would be back in uh, the late 19, early 20, before the pandemic began, and got to know Jeff Yant. Uh, He is from Lake Yale Baptist Camp, and he's on the line with me today. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me back on. I'm glad to do it. Yeah, this time around, we're over the line. Last time you were literally up here again, although you got the tour. You probably got the nickel tour of the construction of the studio, but it it is really nice. So the next time you come back, Jeff, you'll have to come back up and see what we've got going on. But happy to do this one today over the line. And uh, I know that that is a real advantage at times to be able to continue to uh, make connections with people and and even be on the radio like we were able to do. Thank God for technology, huh? <laughs> Amen for that. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes it a little bit easier sometimes to be able to connect, but I do miss being in studio with you. Well, tell me a little bit, and for those listeners that missed you the first time around, uh, tell us about Lake Yale and how it is that you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So Lake Yale is a Christian Camp and Conference Center here in Central Florida. We uh, have 288 acres, 208 hotel rooms, and two full camp facilities on site, and we're located right on the banks of Lake Yale, as per our name. Um, We do camps, uh, conferences year-round, church groups, uh, all types of different ministries, but our main focus is making Christ known through a life-changing experience and an opportunity rich environment and that's what we're that's what we're here to do how has this current time impacted lake yale and for that matter any other conference center or campground Uh, is everything like it was before the pandemic you know, it's 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 funny. The pandemic was bad and good in, in, in so many different ways. And the bad part of it was is that we missed a season of being able to meet with campers, meet with uh, camp groups, church groups, those things. But the good part of it is, is it, it helped us kind of focus on what was the most important. And God has really shown up over the last two years uh, post-pandemic in bringing people back to camp. We're social creatures by nature. God has designed us that way to come together. And I think over the last two years, as people have become more and more comfortable uh, getting back together, we've really seen an increase in the desire to meet uh, with uh, with each other to go to camp to have these types of programs and uh, we're seeing that uh, consistently across all different types of groups. So while some camps uh, across the nation uh, have had some struggles and have uh, ended up closing their doors, we know of several uh, within just uh, the um, Southern Baptist Camping Association who have uh, unfortunately had uh, have been closed and sold off. Um, many others uh, like Lake Yale and uh, some others in our area are um, experiencing rapid growth. 
And so we're glad for that. We're very thankful for what God is bringing to us and the opportunity that it brings. It means that we will be approaching ministry a little bit differently. I mean, we have to be a little more cautious in some areas. We have to, you know, do some things to make sure that people feel uh, safe that they're not, you know, exposed to things. You know, we put have some protocols in place, but overall, uh, the ministry itself is continuing to grow, and people are really responding very, very well. This has been a really difficult time for any business. I can't imagine what it was like for Lake Yale's campground because, again, there everything that you guys do, it's it's a retreat. It's it's like right. the fun aspect. And you're right. We are creatures. We are all people that need, uh, I believe, that kind of social interaction. And yet the pandemic, for the most part, put an end to much, if not all of that. Most businesses that made it, obviously you guys did, they had to do some sort of pivoting. They had yep. to change some things. What did you guys have to do to survive? So uh, the biggest thing was, you know, we we trusted we trusted that God was going to see everything through. I mean, that was first and foremost, and and all of our minds and all of our hearts was, you know, what does God have in store for what's next? And then taking that into account, we we just, you know, we had to look at our operations, how we were. Uh, addressing needs for our guests, how are we were uh, interacting, how guests were re- being received. And we had to um, up the game, I guess, in, in some sense, as far as making sure not only that we were doing the things that we were doing, but the guests understood that, you know, we took their safety into consideration when we were cleaning rooms, when we were serving meals and all those things. A lot of the stuff we were already doing, but it was something that we did internally, and it wasn't something that we publicized necessarily for the guest groups. It was just an understood. Now we've had to make those things a little more prevalent when the guests come through is, you know, these are the things that we're doing to keep you safe. We sanitize the rooms. We're, you know, we make sure we're serving, you know, in proper ways so that, that everybody feels safe and comfortable to be there. So we had to kind of evaluate uh, those systems overall, and as time has gone on, uh, we haven't l- we haven't laxed on those responsibilities. But the nece- the need to promote those things first and foremost has has waned a little bit. People understand that those are those are more of the norm coming through as you come through uh, with your meeting and with your events. Are you happy with what looks like the new normal there? I think so, yes. Uh, it has given us an opportunity to make some uh, inside changes as far as staffing is concerned. All, one, of the, one of the great benefits that we had out of it is all of our staff uh, became cross-trained in all of the different departments because there was a necessity for us to be able to do that. We went from a staff of 72 people down to a staff of 12 and uh during the pandemic oh, and wow. so we were having uh, you know everybody was serving a meal and everybody was cleaning dishes and everybody was cleaning rooms and everybody was mowing grass and everybody was doing the things that that we had staff to do that we we no longer had staff to do so it gave us a perspective i think that uh we just didn't have beforehand. And now there's an appreciation and an understanding across the departments, across the the workload. And I think the guests are benefiting from that. I mean, we're seeing um, staff uh, that are willing to help out or willing to, um, you know, willing to promote other parts of the uh, other parts of the organization that that really bring a positive experience to uh, the guest groups that come out here. How are things going right now with the camp in uh, terms of, Uh, the impact that all of the higher costs 
inflation, all of that, gas prices. Are you seeing any uh, slowdown in people who are wanting to make that trip to Lake Yale? We're not seeing necessarily a slowdown in that regard, but we are seeing a massive increase in all of our prices and all of uh, the expenses that we have coming through. And one of the things that we try to do as a uh, 501c3 nonprofit is we try to uh, mitigate those through donations and some of that so we can keep the costs low so that people can come and hear the gospel and, and experience Christ in that way. And um uh, it's difficult. I mean, it is definitely difficult. Minimum wage goes up a dollar a year every year until um, until we hit uh, fifteen dollars an hour uh, currently, and so that uh, that in, that it causes us to raise those up for for all of our staff going through. Um, you know, the gas prices going up. You know, we we use those to operate, and then oddly enough, you know, food prices have been one of the biggest hits for us because our food cr- prices have grown exponentially, not just in what. Uh, what we're used to getting, but what we're able to get um, in our food service department. So being able to keep up with quality and the quantity of food, um, still being offering that at the same prices has been has been a struggle and has been difficult, but it's something that um, I believe that our staff is tackling very, very well. Well, it sounds like they're working hard to keep that. And what a wonderful thing yeah. to be able to use other funds, other donations to kind of fray the, uh, the increase in and make it to where it's it's not costing uh, an arm and a leg more to be able to do that. Because these are times where I think no one is surprised to see a higher price tag on just about anything. But uh, I, I'm praying that you guys can continue to do that kind of uh, mitigation and work. And uh, well, by the way, on your staffing, you said you went from 70 down to 12. Uh, yep. Has that staff number grown back up again? We have. We have brought back uh, as many of our former staff as we possibly could. Many of them went on to other things, obviously, uh, during that time frame where we weren't able to to employ them, but we've brought back as many as we could. We're not back up to that 70 number. We may never get back up to that 70 number, but one of the interesting things that uh, that the whole situation brought to our attention was an opportunity for another ministry uh, here, and that ministry has been our student summer staff program that we started last year. So with a gap in in that staffing, um, we thought, well, what a great opportunity for us to build into the next generation and give them an opportunity to get a first job, to work in a Christian atmosphere, to work in an atmosphere where, they'll be, where they will be discipled and trained, and uh, for uh, for the first time, we offered that uh, role for the summer first for high school students to come out and work in different departments and, of course, with, within legal uh, limits and liabilities there. And uh, it was phenomenal. We had a phenomenal group. We had a little over 20 students that first year. This year, we have about 35 uh, students. Most of those are returners from last year who came through the program, many of which have, um, during the school year, have other jobs and have put those jobs on hold so that they could come back and work at our program uh, for the summer. So it's been an incredible blessing for us to be able to um, uh, to beef up the staff that we currently have and then to fill in those gaps at some of our heaviest times, which are during the summer, and be able to use that as a 
ministry opportunity to pour into the life of young people to build up that next generation in work ethic and uh, living out their faith through their workplace. Um, it's It's been a wonderful transformation for us. Tell us a little bit about the camp itself. Uh, that would include the kind of facilities you have. You mentioned you're on Lake Yale itself. So that means yep. without a doubt a waterfront. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure, absolutely. So we have about a mile of shoreline here at Lake Yale. We have three docks. We have, as I said, 208 hotel rooms um, for our guests. We have a couple of apartment suites on site uh, for family groups. We also have two uh, 250-bed camps on our site. So our total capacity is about 1,000 people overall on site. We have meeting spaces uh, that can fit up to 1,000. And we do groups from uh, as small as 10 up to you know up to it that a thousand and and beyond depending on the scope of what the group wants to do but we only do nonprofit uh, work church work um, and groups of uh, faith groups that uh, align with um, uh, what we would consider Orthodox Christianity. So it doesn't have to be Baptist uh, but it does have to be within what we would consider uh, the Orthodox faith. Yeah that sounds good and uh, it sounds like that you could actually, uh, maybe simultaneously host a bunch of groups, several yeah. groups at one time. What's the most that you can remember in recent memory? Um, we have a group of 500 coming uh, this weekend. Um, and then uh, throughout the summer, it bounces back and forth between five, uh, five and four hundred. There's a couple of weeks that only have three hundred, but uh, uh, those are those are individual people. And but we've hosted multiple groups here. So we've had, I think, five different types of groups here all at one time yeah. throughout the year, oh, wow. which has been uh, been phenomenal. And they, you know, they all eat together. It's probably the only time that they ever really meet when they have a meeting space. Uh, that is their meeting space. They're not sharing those spaces with other people. So they can come and, and their people can stay. They can meet in their own space, do their own thing, and not have to worry about other groups that are here, which is a huge benefit in the way we're laid out. You know, when I talk to people up north, Jeff, they are always amazed at uh, what they hear we have in Florida with regard to life, uh, kind of like uh, wildlife and even right. bears. In our neighborhood, we've been dealing this past year with some bears that sometimes come into our neighborhood where I live. <laughs> and that's something that I think most people up north, uh, you know, they, they expect hearing about a Mickey Mouse, but they don't expect hearing about a black bear. Uh, right. what, what kind of uh, wildlife do you have that ventures onto your property there? Well, we absolutely do have a black bear. We actually have a um, – we, we, we suspect she's about 600 pounds, or he's about 600 pounds. I'm not really sure. I haven't got close enough to it to really <laughs> determine. But uh, we expect it's about 600-pound bear that oh. wanders every once in a while through the property in the wee-wee-wee hours of the morning. Um, but, uh, but typically those – uh, they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty to themselves and kind of just make make their way through. Of course, we have alligators that are out in the lake and uh, sometimes in our pond. We uh, make sure to to keep guests and things away from those. We have what we call unfriendly alligators, so they don't approach people. You want them to be unfriendly. You want them to run away when they see you. They don't want to be bothered and they don't want to bother you. Um, those are the kind that you want. So we don't have any friendly gators. If we do, we have we have uh, a trapper who who takes care of those for us and moves them on to other things and. 
And so we have those. We have sandhill cranes. We have bald eagles on site. We have a bald eagle's nest that the society comes and watches for us when they're when they're hatching, and uh, just a just a variety of uh, of different wildlife. That's all fascinating and wonderful to see. It's a really a great um, it's a great viewpoint of God's creation of just seeing the multiple uh, multiple things that God has us has for us to enjoy and in, in the creation that He's created. So. When you look back over the last couple of months, what are some of the most fun things that that have happened uh, as we're in this time of recovery from the pandemic and all that? What kind of things, when you think back to recent uh, days, really bring a smile to your face? Well, you know, the student summer staff program is always the is the big one. You know, we just had our staff training with them and uh, seeing seeing the returners come back, seeing those students uh, for the new students coming in and getting a sense of this is what it's like to to do to do work and to have that responsibility and to have this work ethic. That's always for me personally. That's always a really exciting um, a time and an exciting moment. We have a a phenomenal group of that, um, and then getting to see the groups as they're coming back as they're some of them have not been here in two years because of the pandemic and and those types of things and getting to see those faces that we have come to know over the course of the year um, you know come back and have their groups back again and feel the excitement that they have it's almost like camp for the first time for them and uh, that's always that's always fun it's always fun to make those connections and that's one of the best parts about camp whether it's a church group meeting or whether it's a a youth camp or uh, you know a deacon retreat or something like that you you get to see these people on a on a regular basis on once a year twice a year and uh, getting to see them and talk to them is like meeting old friends all over mm-hmm. again and that's that's the magic of camp I mean you you create those relationships and you build those and it's uh, it's encouraging to your spirit it's encouraging to your heart uh, to be able to to uh, meet with them and and to share those experiences over again oh that's great Jeff Yant is my guest we'll be back with Jeff for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike and you're on The Shepherd. Back on the line right now with Jeff Yant, who is the director at Lake Yale Baptist Campground. That area, Lake Yale, just for those who are not familiar with exactly where you are, where are you located? So we are just outside of Mount Dora and Eustis in central Florida in a town called Leesburg. Uh, Leesburg is actually the bigger town, but I think everybody knows where Mount Dora is because they love to go out there and go shopping. Yeah. But we're just off of 452 uh, right there at the corner of Leesburg and Eustis. It's a beautiful area, and Lake Yale is a large lake, now, one, yeah. of, one of the largers in the area. Wouldn't that be true? Um, it's actually 4,000 acres, and uh, there's a couple of lakes that are around us that are a little bit bigger, but it is one of the most picturesque lakes that we that we have in the area. In fact, the sunrise over Lake Yale is uh, second to none, really. Wow, that sounds wonderful. I, I've uh, been there one time for one event, and it is it is so nice. And it is a, uh, a, like you said, a picturesque, kind of like an old Florida, a little bit yes. of preservation of old Florida there. You've got the beautiful oaks and all of the, the just the lush trees and the foliage. Oh, it's so much fun to walk yeah. through that, that area. It's, it's just gorgeous. Tell us, if you will, the history. How did this thing come to be uh, such a prime piece of property? And you mentioned having that kind of 
of uh, lake frontage. I mean, that's got to be a gold mine in terms of value for property. <laughs> How did you guys get that? So back in the late 50s, early 60s, the Florida Baptist Convention was looking to uh, do a camp in central Florida that would be um, accessible to the majority of the state within a particular time frame, about four-hour drive from pretty much anywhere that you wanted to be. And uh, an opportunity came up to purchase a piece of property uh, in Leesburg, uh, right on Lake Yale, and so when they uh, when they got that piece of property, they began developing the first camp and held their first camp out here in 1967. Um, from that time and since then, they were able to acquire a couple of extra pieces of property through donations and uh, through small purchases uh, to the site that we have now in the 288 acres. So uh, it's been developed. They eventually developed a second camp, uh, developed the adult, what they called the adult conference center at that time, which was the hotel rooms uh, and then the larger meeting spaces within the camp. So uh, all of those buildings became pretty quick over um, – uh, became uh, pretty quick over the course of the next several years into the camp that we see today. Uh, in 2018, um, we, we began the process, uh, well, 2017, we actually began the process of becoming our own 501c3 and becoming a full cooperating ministry with the Florida Baptist Convention instead of being owned by the Florida Baptist Convention. And that was completed in 2018, and we became, we ran our first year as our own 501c3 that year in 2018. So it's been a long, uh, long process, uh, small updates between that 1967 time frame and 2018 um, being, uh, you know, just making some things new and really uh, 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 freshening some things up, but not really adding things to what was currently on the facility in the campground. Um, we did add an additional building in the late 80s, um, and then uh, that's pretty much all that had been done. Now is that we're our own 501c3. Three, uh, what we would like to do in continuing on into the future is we have the need to continue to upgrade the facilities that we have, but also add new facilities for uh, uh, a multi-purpose uh, rec space, a multi-purpose meeting space uh, that we can have out here, um, some additional amenities and, and some of those things to continue to provide for our guests and the changing needs that we have uh, with our with our our guest groups and our churches that come out here. Now, you mentioned that it doesn't have to be a, a large group to come out and take part. So you, if I heard you right, you said there are some groups that would be as low as 10 people. So if there was a family gathering, a big family gathering, and they were looking for a venue, uh, might that be an option for them? So it depends. It depends on the... Uh, the the scope of the family gathering. If it's a church family gathering, if it's something that's affiliated with a nonprofit or a church, we can definitely do that. And one thing that we we steer away from, and for many reasons, is we don't do uh, just random family gatherings for for family groups. They have to be affiliated with 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 church or or something of that nature, and that just really protects our ministry. We oh, don't yeah. want to get into a situation to where um, we're having to uh, turn people away because of things that they might or might not be doing. And if they're affiliated with a church that we have vetted and and are fall in line in accordance of our uh, our core values, then then we're happy to do those kinds of things. 
length, and it protects us a little bit going on. But you know, we do have those opportunities for smaller groups. Uh, we have often several groups that will come and, and do a small meeting here as a precursor to a larger event that they'll have hold, uh, you know, further on. Or it may just be that the church is a smaller group and they just have a smaller uh, need that they want to come in and, and do this thing and kind of get something kick-started for their church, and we absolutely do that as well. So. So for youth ministries, let's say that would be around 100 people, and they are from a vetted church and a ministry mm-hmm. that you guys would uh, would not mind at all, what, what do they have to bring? Are there technological things that they have to take into consideration, or is this pretty much turnkey? It's pretty much turnkey. Now we do have uh, we do ask groups if they have a full band and they want to do a big blowout um, uh, worship session. Uh, you know they're going to need to bring some of those things uh, with them. But we, other than that, we're set up for everything with screens and projector. Well, not projector. We have projectors and screens and the, that type of stuff. All the technology they would need. There's uh, Wi-Fi and all the meeting spaces. Uh, everything that they need. All of the setup is done before the group gets here. So they tell us what they're looking for. We get it uh, taken care of for them as much as we possibly can to their specifications so that when they arrive on site, um, they're ready to start ministry. They don't have to worry about the logistics of what I got. What do I have to do to get things set up before I can start ministering to my students? You know, I think that's one of the biggest advantages to going with an organization like a Baptist campground, like what you oversee, because you've got people that... Number one, they're working for you that know what they're doing from the standpoint of logistics and equipment and all of that. But number two, they are there because they love seeing the gospel come forward as well uh, in in a group that they may not know that much about personally, but it's part of a, a good, solid church effort that's going on. And they get to share in the joy that these kids are going to have when they come into a campground, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what's what's great about that is we have several staff that have over 20 years of employment here at Lake Yale. They have 20 years of experience um, individually. And so uh, collectively, you know, we, we have, you know, over 100 years of diff- different uh, different types of experiences in logistics and uh, meetings and, and those types of things that we're able to uh, assist those guest groups with so that they can have the best experience that they possibly can here so that their students can come and uh, have an un, uh, unhindered, unfiltered um, uh, experience with Christ and, and the gospel here. And so that's that's one of the benefits. We get to share in that experience with them. We get to do those things so that they can do ministry, and we celebrate with them on all the things that God is doing uh, through the ministry that they have. Let's talk about you for a moment. What did you do before coming there in your current role? So I was actually a camp director at a small camp in Idaho before I came down to Florida, and uh, uh, they found me uh, somewhere up there in the sticks, um, and uh, <laughs> I uh, was uh, brought on as the director of program and marketing back in 2017. So now you probably dealt with uh, Grizzlies up there, right? Yeah, yeah, they we had a whole different scope of uh, wildlife and animals <laughs> yes, up there, did. grizzlies and elks and and all of that, <laughs> moose and and all moose, of, yeah. yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I I had um, Christy Naruzzi, who is a, a local mortgage expert, and uh, she was telling us about growing up there in Idaho and 
uh, all of the, uh, it's just funny how the, the term Idaho, the state Idaho has become uh, turned up on my program a couple of times this last <laughs> couple of weeks, but that's really something. And they found you and there is, there's like a major world of difference between climate, between terrain, everything in the world of right. difference between Idaho and Florida. What were your right. thoughts when you came to this beautiful area? Well, I had I, I had a little bit of experience down this way. I was raised in North Georgia, so so I'm I was a little more familiar with this part of the country than I was with Idaho. So uh, we were we were transplants in Idaho, so we were actually thankful to get back to ah, uh, okay. God's country. <laughs> now, I agree completely. You know, it is really something to to be in Florida to see, and and I think people who live in Georgia, uh, you're right. It's not that far and. Some t- some people call North Florida kind of South Alabama, so it, yeah. <laughs> it all works out kind of that way. But you know, when you uh, it, you're coming into this area, what is the thing that you personally love doing as as the director there? Um, you know, for me in the in the role that I that I have, I, I enjoy. Uh, getting a chance to meet with the participants and meet with the groups and and do that kind of stuff. I enjoy being out on property and uh, seeing what's going on, seeing the livelihood, the life, the life that is that is going on on camp. The busyness of camp season is is the is the time that I absolutely thrive. Uh, my family and I all love that. We we are been in camping for for some time and. That's kind of where our heart is, to seeing all of that go on, seeing that, you know, those activities, whether it's whether it's in a meeting where they're they're hearing the gospel or they're worshiping or if it's outside playing games or, you know, just running around and, uh, you know, uh, having fun. Those things are exciting uh, for me and for my family. And we we love that because we know and see the potential of what God is doing through those times. He's, he's separating them from from a world that they've become very comfortable with and used to and putting them in a place where um, they those distractions that they they currently had at home or wherever it in their local area are removed so that there's a clear path uh, for the gospel to to interact with them you know that has to be rewarding for you realizing that there yeah. are there are young people that have grown up maybe they've gone to your campground two or three or more times and they always look forward to it. They always anticipate a great time. And then when they're older, uh, you once you've been there long enough for this to happen, and they get to come back for yeah. either reunions or come back for the first time in a long time, that's got to be gratifying to, to realize that you're part of something that is a special memory that's going to follow them for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite things when I'm out away from camp is when I'm talking about camp and they say, I've been to Lake Yale. I, I was there as a kid. I went to RA camp or I went to GA camp, right? You know, my church did this at Lake Yale when I was a kid. I, I answered my call to ministry at Lake Yale. Or I remember when we used to swim in the lake and deacons used to surround us with shotguns so that the alligators didn't swim, you know, bite us, <laughs> things like, you know, the fun oh, stories. That sounds that, that crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, those are the, those are the really neat things that, that I really enjoy getting to hear from people who have had these experiences over the course of the last 60 years or, or more of, of being a part of, of Lake Yale. And uh, you never get tired of that. You never, you you never 
get weary of hearing, oh, I, I remember going there as a kid. I remember, you know, do you still have this? Do you, you know, is this still a thing? Do you do you know so-and-so that came out there to camp? You know, all of that is it's so exciting and encouraging because it reminds us, it reminds me specifically that, you know, even though I may not see the the immediate direct impact, God is doing something great here. Mm-hmm. God is doing something in the hearts and lives of the people that come here, and that makes every day of coming in and you know doing the you know doing the not so fun stuff, going through the audits and going through budget and and you know having to you know having to to do the the what seems to be tedium. It makes all of that very much worth it because on the other side of that are people's lives and on the other side of that are our souls that are being uh brought into the kingdom those are people that are are being forever impacted for christ and that's that's really the the driving force i know there are dozens if not hundreds of uh stories that you could probably pull from is there one that is particularly fun for you that when you look back at a memory of a family or a student uh, their experience there at Lake Yale Baptist Campground. Is there such a time that you look back and you go, wow, that was really amazing? Yeah, we've, you know, we, we get those stories uh, quite a bit. And I think one of the ones that I think impresses me the most is we have a, we do a women's conference here uh, at Lake Yale. We do that in the fall, and uh, we had a we had a, a speaker here who um, uh, had some experience uh, dealing with um, uh, special needs. Uh, they have, you know, some some things like that. And she was speaking, and I got a letter from a, a young lady who uh, who this was her favorite artist, her favorite person in the world, and uh, um, and I, I guess it's okay to say her name. Her name is Laura Story. She was uh, is the is the oh. Oh, yeah, she was talking. Yeah, about. yeah. and uh, Laura is so wonderful. What a what a great uh, woman. What a great personality. And so she asked if, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, she asked if you know she could come and and be a part of the conference. And I was like, absolutely. So um, what we did was we actually uh, set it up uh, so that she could meet Laura. And uh, oh my <clears throat> goodness, that had to be yeah. so special. Laura was so gracious, and um, she met with her and hugged on her, and it was just uh, it was that Im- it was an impactful time for us to be able to say, yeah. well, hey, it was something so simple that we were able to do to make an impact in uh, in this young lady's life and uh, in her family's life, and uh, what a uh, what a wonderful opportunity that we have to be able to do that. You know, that's. Uh, uh, those it's it's stuff like that that you know the little things like that that we get to do and the impact that we get to have in that way that that really uh, man it just really keeps us going I mean it really keeps uh, it, it it keeps our focus on on pleasing God in that way and ministering to people in that way and so that's my that's probably one of my favorite stories um, and you know we just we really just had very little to do with that other than and then setting that up but what a what a great opportunity to be a part of that. But, you know, you think about a great story like that, so touching the heart as uh, as that does, and yeah. that, that person's never going to be the same. And God bless Laura. I had a chance yeah. to meet her up in Gainesville a number of years ago, and uh, not long after, she had won a Grammy for the song Blessings. So yep. she's she's quite amazing and a very uh, just down-to-earth, wonderfully gifted, but Absolutely. very sincere, genuine believer who loves the Lord. 
Jeff Ann, it's it's just been great uh, getting caught back up, and you got to come back uh, to Orlando next time you're here. Swing by and, and join us in the studio here, and thank you for uh, kind of filling us in on what's going on up there in the Leesburg area at Lake Yale Baptist Campground. It's really great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me on. I love it every time I get a chance to talk to you, and every and when I'm coming by there, I'll stop by and see you. We'd love it, and our friend Mark Goldstein would want to probably join us for lunch. So do that, absolutely. okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that was my that was the saddest part of one of the saddest parts of me not being able to come down there. Is Mark promised me lunch today, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I haven't got to have lunch with Mark in a long time. So uh-huh, it would be good. A, all right, my friend. Thanks again for being with me, and we'll be right back here on the Shepherd. All right, right now I'm on the line with Matt Staver, Matt from the Liberty Council. It's always a joy to have you on the on the phone with me here today, my friend. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, you know, Matt, you keep us up to date every day on The Shepherd with your Freedom's Call. We so love hearing those one-minute uh, bits of information that are so critical. And you talk about things that are really deeply important And uh, this is a a real opportunity for me to have a a deeper dive with you, let you kind of go into some of the uh, stuff that you're covering. Let's talk, first of all, about what you have been discussing, and that's this what seems to be an unbelievable potential scenario with uh, the president of the United States relinquishing sovereign control of the United States uh, involvement with health and giving it, if you will, to the World Health Organization. That, that is something that, well, quite frankly, it scares me to death. What's going on there? Yes, the, uh, Biden actually issued these amendments to the World Health Organization on January 18, 2022. He did not notify Congress or the public. It was discovered by a researcher in April of this year. That's how we learned about it. He had to publicize it, which he did on May the 6th, but it was just for a very showy purpose. You had to register within 24 hours of it going online in order to comment, and you could only comment if you were a recognized certain minority that he selected to be able to comment. So it was really a ruse, but this is actually something that he presented to the World Health Organization, the United Nations Agency. George W. Bush got us into the WHO, the WHO, back in 2005 because of the SARS-1 scare. Now we're in SARS-CoV-2. So they're using SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 to further expand the power of Mm -hmm. the WHO. Uh, We should actually get out of the agreement that Bush got us into in 2005 because it gives too much authority. But Biden is wanting to give a lot of authority and sovereignty to the United Nations. Now, under the WHO document that he is proposing, the WHO would be able to unilaterally declare a public health emergency. So, for example, if you go back to August, September 2020, when Florida was wide open, the WHO could declare that Florida was a public health emergency and impose sanctions and even bring the United States to the World Health Court for our world, world Court for sanctions and, and other penalties and fines. But also they could impose under these amendments restrictions on shipping, air travel, and food food distribution. In other words, they could lock down the borders. They could affect the kinds of food and other supplies that are being shipped to the United States and to Florida or transportation airlines and so forth and impose these vaccine passports as criteria in order to travel. 
it's a very scary situation where you would give unilateral authority to one person mm-hmm. of the WHO to be able to declare public health emergencies. And let me just say this as well. For most of us, we think of a public health emergency as COVID-19, for example, a virus or a disease. But it also includes in the WHO's world, public uh, health emergencies can also include access to abortion or lack of access to abortion after Roe v. Wade is overturned. They could say it's a public health emergency to not have enough access to abortion. They could also say climate change is a public health emergency. And in fact, they've already said, in fact, that it is a public health emergency and therefore impose other kinds of climate or carbon emission restrictions on the United States, and the list goes on and on. Now, I think every one of our grandparents that have gone on to be with the Lord would be rolling in their graves when they look at our country right now. And if they were to hear that uh, this kind of a thought was being uh, pushed by the president of the United States, they would be amazed and they would think, no, this surely must be uh, wrong. There, there must be a mistake, but this is really happening. And you're saying he's doing this without even the cover of Congress whatsoever, even though the Democrats would would own the the uh, the majority of Congress. But this is being done unilaterally from him, right? We have is this is not the amendments are not a treaty themselves, so it doesn't require confirmation or a vote by the United States Senate. At the same time that he has these amendments, uh, they also, the WHO and other nations, are working on a broader pandemic agreement, another pandemic treaty. If it were really a treaty that they're going to be working on later this year, and they've already started that as of the fall, late fall of last year, they're having their next meeting on that August 1, uh, then that would have to be something voted on by the United States Senate. So obviously elections matter. Certainly in November, the election is going to be of course. But what we have are two tracks. First, Biden is proposing these amendments that would give the WHO greater authority over the United States and other countries. There's 194 countries that are members of WHO. He hasn't fared very well in the courts. Many of his mandates have been struck down. So he wants to get that kind of authority to the World Health Organization. And then if there's a challenge, WHO is legally immune from lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And consequently, the WHO could take the United States rather than we taking the WHO to the world court where they're not going to respect our constitution or our laws of the United States. So that's one track. The other track is let's give the WHO even more authority by creating a new pandemic, a treaty that will actually give them even more enforcement authority. And that's the other parallel track that's ongoing right now, which apparently Joe Biden uh, supports So we're having to watch that as well. And the next hearing on that, next meeting on that is going to be August the 1st. Uh, It's unbelievable. All of this is unbelievable. And from what I can tell, uh, we would have a hard time. I I could, uh, from your standpoint, could we ever pull back out of who? Because I believe President Trump withdrew our involvement for a while. Isn't that correct? Yeah. That's right. In fact, he uh, withdrew funding. Remember that he said he's not going to fund him anymore. He's going to start the process of withdrawing. Uh, Bill Gates came up and said, don't worry about the United States funding. I'll make it up. In fact, Bill Gates gave $750 million to the WHO just in January to September of 2021. So he is by far uh, the world's largest private donor. Uh, But Trump began the process of pulling us out of the WHO and defunding the WHO. Unfortunately, though, Biden immediately put us right back into the WHO. We need to have Congress completely remove us from the WHO and really 
from this uh, original agreement that George W. Bush did in 2005. Now, there's a lot of people talking about just this whole status of, uh, of, of the president himself, his physical, maybe even mental uh, capabilities, whether or not he is capable of being the president and uh, carrying out the duties before him. Matt, it, it would look to me like on the world stage, America's being laughed at right now and mocked. I don't know if you've uh, been keeping up with Sky News in Australia, yes. but the way that they continue to monitor uh, the leader of the free world, as they refer to President Biden, this this embarrassment, you would think you would think that that uh, those that are maybe either the president's handlers or whatever, you would think that they would be concerned about it. But I don't see them doing anything about this. Well, they have their own media sources that just uh, push the narrative that Joe Biden and his staff want them to push. And if the media was doing its job, the other, you know, the standard long-term existing media, I'm not talking about you or others that are actually reporting on this, obviously, but if they were doing their job, this would have never happened and this would end because Sky News is actually, they are mocking uh, Joe Biden. They talk about how he's losing his mind and he can't remember things and he's making these huge gasps. Saudi Arabia did the same thing. Saudi Arabia actually had, and they've been our strongest Middle East uh, ally, uh, and that they mocked uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as well. In fact, they actually had a man playing Kamala Harris in mocking uh, because of their LGBTQ agenda that they have. Oh, yeah. America, because of Biden, has become a laughingstock on the global stage, and that's very unfortunate, especially at a time when you have so many threats globally from Russia, China, Iran, and others. Mm. This is a, a concerning thing, and I, I don't think that anybody uh, at all would would want evil or, or wish evil on on our leaders right now who are doing things that, well, I just think are unthinkable. But at the same time, I I pray that that there could be some a new direction given in this vote that's coming up. And on that, in light of all that happened in 2020 and Dinesh D'Souza's film, I know you've covered that on your program, uh, Freedom's Call, as well, uh, about the 2020 election and the fraud that many people would believe, Sousa being one of them, that was uh, without a doubt affecting the outcome of that election. How do you feel things are shaping up for this fall? Well, I think as a result of 2020, there have been a lot of states that have passed election integrity reform. There are some states that have not. Let me give you an example of one that has not. Virginia has not passed election integrity reform. Why? Because during the last two years, up until uh, November of last year, they were controlled in the House and Senate and the governor's office by Democrats who were very much in favor of that. I think the Republicans now will uh, pass election reform. But here's what happened in November of 2021. With the old bad laws that are there already on the books before any reform happened, you had a historic a red wave in Virginia. Why? Because the last two years up to November 2020, the Democrats have pushed very radical policies, uh, and they didn't care what the people thought. That's the same thing that's happening on the national level. In fact, mm. Virginia is a microcosm of what's happening 
and is happening, and I think will happen on the national level. They got in control. They pushed all these radical agendas. They thought this is their opportunity to cram it down the, the people of Virginia, and this is the same thing happening on the United States level as well. Well, the people went to the polls irrespective of the fact that no election reform had taken place. How did they ultimately have this incredible turnout and voting results where you have now a Christian and pro-life governor, lieutenant governor, mm -hmm. and attorney general? and where they took back their legislative bodies as well. It's because the people got involved as the grassroots, and they began monitoring the polls themselves. They took it on to their own self. They organized. They went to the precincts. They went to the polls on Election Day to make sure that everything was done in accordance, even with the laws that they had. And so as a result, they were able to minimize any of the election fraud that otherwise would go on notice because no one was there to monitor it. I think that's a model that is now workable for the rest of the United States, whether you have a state that has election reform like Florida or you have other states that have no re election reform. I think the people need to get involved, and I think Virginia gives us a template. And I think what happened in Virginia in November is likely what could happen to us across the nation with regard to the upcoming midterms. But I think one of the keys is, is for the grassroots to get involved get organized, monitor the elections, be poll watchers and workers mm -hmm. so that you can make sure that if you see any fraud, you report it and it stops. I so appreciate the way you keep us up to date on all of these major issues, Matt, and it's really wonderful to hear your take on them. Uh, one thing before you, we go here today, if you, you've already kind of referred to uh, the, the Roe v. Wade outcome. We're about a month away from what uh, many people will believe will be the verdict given down from the Supreme Court. And of course, that leak that happened put all of the justices, their lives in, I would think, clear danger. And uh, with the radical left being what it is and all of these uh, protests that are going on outside their homes, that's a shame. That's illegal. And it should never be happening. But uh, when you th when you look over this next month, do you still feel in your heart that uh, they're going to turn over this Roe v. Wade situation? I do. I think this opinion is very strongly written and is very good, scholarly done. It's written by Justice Alito. It's a majority opinion. Now, can majority opinions change? Yes, people can change their vote before it's actually officially distributed, and that vote would change irrespective of whether you had a majority at one time during the writing phase. I don't think that's going to happen with this document now that it has been released. I, I think the bigger issue is we need to pray for their health so that they don't pass on naturally or from other you know, targeted reasons, which I think is the, one of the reasons why this was leaked, to put targets on the backs of these justices. Uh, so we need to pray for their personal protection, because if one of them passes, that's in the majority, yeah. for whatever reason, before this is officially uh, delivered and, and released, then their vote doesn't count. So I think we're going to see an overruling of Roe uh, v. Wade and Planned Parent versus Casey. Then the battle is going to be on the state level. And mm -hmm. for example, in Florida, we have this terrible Supreme Court decision that goes back to 1989 and Ray T.W. But that particular, uh, the laws in Florida, I think, that are coming out from the legislature, the 15-week abortion ban, which is very similar to the Louisiana one that went to the Supreme Court, that's the catalyst to overturn Roe. Uh, that particular law, when it goes into effect uh, this uh, month, July 1, uh, or next uh, month in July, that particular law, when it goes into effect, will likely be challenged under the Florida Constitution. 
with the new justices on the Florida Supreme Court appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis, I think we now have clearly a majority of the seven justices to overturn this terrible abortion decision in Florida. And so Florida can follow the same pattern as the United States Supreme Court and the rest of the country. And I hope they do. Matt, it's always a joy to talk with you. Hope that you have a marvelous holiday. And thank you for being with me today here on Afternoons with Mike. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. God bless you. And friends, thank you for being with me as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.